0: Welcome to the Change Management Review Podcast, where we bring the best of change management to you. In this From the Field episode, Managing Editor Brian Gorman interviews Danielle Harris Thompson, Change Management and Transformation Services Leader at Cal Corporation. This podcast highlights some of the 20 lessons that Danielle has learned over 20 years as an external change management consultant. We hope you enjoy this installment of the Change Management Review Podcast.
1: I'm Brian Gorman, Managing Editor of Change Management Review. And our guest today is Danielle Harris-Thompson. For 20 years, Danielle worked as an external change management consultant. More recently, she has moved internally as a change management consultant with Kao Corporation, that's K-A-O, a consumer packaged goods company. Danielle submitted an article to us, which I found fascinating, but which is also too long to publish in our newsletter. So we are putting it up on the website, um, but I also found it exciting to be able to uh, talk with Danielle about the content of our article. Um, the article itself is titled 20 over 20, which is 20 of the most significant lessons Danielle learned uh, in her 20 years of working as an independent change management consultant welcome danielle Hi, brian so let's start and we're not going to be able to cover all 20 or this podcast will go on way too long <laughs> but i uh, told you when we first spoke i had looked at these 20 lessons if you will as falling into three buckets um are sort of practical stuff relationship based and then just about fun yeah. so we are going to hit all three of those in in the podcast and let's begin with the beginning okay. uh, the first practical lesson you include on the list is know your statement of work this sounds so obvious yeah and yet it isn't so tell us a little bit about this lesson for you.
0: Yeah. First thank you so much for uh having me and chatting about this um because it's great to kind of talk through my experience over the past 20 years as an external consultant. And yeah, knowing your statement of work it does feel like the obvious one, right? But that's the one that I think we can get tripped over so often and this was an early in the career lesson for me because one of my very first clients was Uh, a master of scope creep and trying to get more out of the contract, out of the statement of work. Um, And I really had to revisit that often with him and even get coaching from my own, you know, more experienced colleagues around how do I handle this situation when they're asking for more work that we don't have time or budget for. And so it's really important just to be able to manage expectations. Um, That statement of work is your contract. It's like your body. Or the interactions in terms of what we can do, um, what we're able to work on or not work on. And uh, it, it's really important to, ha- to know that forward and backward, both you and your client.
1: I love this one. Recognize that not all clients are happy you're there.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think I said it was, uh, you know, a little secret and then obviously not a secret. So <laughs> not everyone will be happy that you've been engaged as an external person coming in to work on a project. And that could be because they're resistant to the change themselves or because they wanted, you know, the opportunity to do the task or the role that you stepped into. And so you're going to to get resistance, but um, yeah, not everyone is going to be responsive to your presence. Um, Some will be very resistant to it and that could show up in your work and make things challenging. But it's really important in those moments, number one, to know who those people are, know what you're up against and and if possible, try to find some um, connection points and understand uh, what's causing their resistance and maybe how you can get around that. But if there's no way to do that, who are your allies? Um, Know who can help you navigate that relationship, who's going to back you up in meetings um, who's going to be another set of ears for you in some of the conversations and, and make sure that it's really clear that people understand why you're there and your role and, uh, and will help you uh, kind of navigate some of those challenges.
1: Without naming names, can you give us a mini case of where this came up for you?
0: Uh, yeah, absolutely. So I did have a, a project where I was in the role of kind of change lead for a large initiative uh, with the client and really it's it's coming up against for me it was an alpha personality which I'm not. And so you know my day-to-day contact was we butt heads a lot just in terms of ownership of the work and um, and the role that she wanted to take on and really challenging every idea that I had, every plan I put together that was in my statement of work to do. so you know coming back to that first point of, Here's what I'm signed on to do, um, but not really being given the space or the opportunity to do it. And and for that one, you know, part of it was finding the ally who was going to help me navigate that. And in this case, it was her leader and being willing to go to the leader and be open and say, These are the challenges I'm having. um, And can you just help me understand how to best work with this person? So it wasn't really in a case of she's not helping me, she's making it hard for me to get my work done. Help me understand how best to work with with her and using her leader as as my ally was really helpful.
1: So that really ties into the the next lesson that you share. Um, Know the client organization's politics to play well with others.
0: Yeah, yeah. One of the challenges I think of being external is that you are moving in and out of organizations and you quickly have to learn the work, but you also have to quickly learn the politics of the organization and who the players are and who's who um, and who you have to work with. But it's important that you take the time to learn that because there are going to be other teams, other departments, other leaders who are either going to um, help you or impede you. The, cha- the, the the project or the change that you're working on could roll down and affect other groups um, in ways that maybe have not been made clear. So it's good that you take the time to, to understand that. Um, and know if there are going to be, you know, issues that you'll come across, is the change going to affect teams or departments in different ways, even in a small way? Um, Are there opportunities to engage leaders from other parts of the organization to help you, Um, you know, even if their group isn't involved? And there's, you know, sometimes you can ask your project sponsor of some of those kind of organizational connections. And if not, you can just listen really closely because they do come up. Um, in discussion at some point, just in terms of other people who need to be part of the conversation.
1: So for a little fun, bring food.
0: (laughs) Food is like the great equalizer, right? (laughs) So people who have to be there, who don't have to be there, who don't want to be there, everyone's happy there's food. (laughs) So um, I, I think, you know, every meeting, you think about the long meetings, the long facilitated alignment sessions or strategic planning sessions and, and you want to have things there. But but even just the quick conversations, how do we bring snacks? I, in some cases, learned like my client's favorite snack and just bring it to a meeting and, you know, which is a great thing. Um, I have one favorite client. I always, I, I just love him. He's in Texas. He is a big, he's a Texan guy. And whenever I would go down there um, for work, he would cook I'd, I'd, I'd happened to be there around the time he was cooking for the plant, <laughs> but um, he'd also, you know, planned the time that I was down there and cook a big meal, and it was just awesome because it's part of that relationship building and getting to sit, you know, in a room with just this group of, you know, operators or or team members around a meal and talk about not just their work but you know family and things they have going on in life. Is it? I think it helps to advance the work and advance the relationships. Food's always good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Food is good. Food is good. Uh, uh, this one I think is really important. Um, whether you're internal or external, protect your team.
0: Yeah, I, this would be um, in one of my top five that I pulled from the 20. And I think it's really important that if you are you know, leading a team, if you're going into an organization uh, as part of a, a change team and you're leading it's important that your team members know that you are um, there to support them as much as the client. And if they come against challenges in their interactions with the client, or if there are things that are making it hard for them to do their work as the lead for their team, you you have the responsibility to have the tough conversations um, with the client to make sure those things are being addressed. It's just, it's really important to make sure your team knows that you're looking out for them and you're not just worried about the success of the clients or of the project, but it's them as individuals.
1: Danielle, could you give us an example of where that became important for you and your team members?
0: Um, Yes, I think, you know, there are two parts. One is at the start of a project I learned just to ask people kind of what their goal is for, for this project. What are their growth opportunities that they're looking for and finding work and tasks on the project that will give them a chance to grow the skills they want. I think that's a good just thing to know and ask in the beginning. But also from the challenging side, you know, I ran up against just one team member that was struggling more than others with a particular client. And I, um, you know, really don't know what made them butt heads. but it was really right from the beginning of feeling like a lot of his contributions and meetings were dismissed. Um, despite his vast expertise, a lot of the Things that he brought to the table weren't appreciated. A lot of his deliverables weren't well received. And he was really feeling that it was really stressing him as a member of the, the project. It makes it really hard to, you know, be efficient. And especially when he had to work one-on-one with this client team member sometimes. Um, and so that for me was. a a challenge, and I had to sit down with that client. Um, And actually, I don't think I told the team member I was having this one-on-one conversation with the client. But um, I sat down with her, and I also made it clear to her that my role as the leader of that team is, number one, to make sure she's successful, that this project is successful, um, to manage this project to time and budget, as we have agreed to, and also to look out for our team members. And we really need to discuss that third piece. And I tried not to do it in a way that was, you know, attacking her or made her feel like she'd done something wrong. But I did want to make it very clear um, the way that some of her interactions with our team member was making him feel, uh, whether it was intentional or not. But I found it to be, you know, a good open conversation. And eventually it was resolved well when she went to have a one-on-one conversation with that team member and resolve some of their issues. But um, but those aren't things, you know, to sweep under a rug. I, I don't think it's good to say to the team member, well, suck it up. You know, we'll, we'll be done with this in six months. So suck it up, butter." <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's not healthy for anybody.
1: I want to go back to the first piece of um, your answer here, because what you do at the start of a project is, in my experience, incredibly rare, and yet, it is so valuable. Um, so often, team leads know what people have done before, and they expect them to do it again and again and again. Mm-hmm. And and yet, as team members, we want to grow, and we have areas of interest. You mm-hmm. know, I may be extremely interested in um, developing my skills in facilitating the the workshops. Um, you know. And yet, you know, I'm very good at uh, change management plans and I'm bored with change management plans. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm just I'm just making another one because you said I had to make another one. (laughs) And if you work with me to learn how to facilitate the workshops, I am going to be in there and I am going to be energized and I I may make a mistake. Yeah, we all do. I am going to give you one hundred and ten percent. So thank you for bringing that approach uh, both to your teams and and to us here. So here's one for you from your article. (laughs) Don't be afraid to get personal.
0: Yeah, that's a tricky one. I know. (laughs) Um, Because gosh, I think the the lessons were often taught if you go through a business school and maybe more historically, but you don't build personal relationships with the client. You know, you don't you don't compliment their shoes or their suit or ask about their kids. And um, and I think that's I think it's evolved, you know, over time. But I do think it's so you know it's okay to get personal to ask about how their their family's doing, how the, the birthday party was that they had for their kid over the weekend. Um, it's okay to compliment their shoes. <laughs> to you know, I like learning about people so you can. Recommend, uh, you know, a podcast they might like, which clients have also done for me, um, for me as well, or even to know some of the personal things they're going through that's going to affect their work. So, you know, when you're pushing and asking, why aren't you getting things done or delivering? Or there, there are battles people are fighting that we don't know, but it's good to at least have a little bit of insight and be willing to ask the question. You know, if if you recognize that your clients demeanor is drastically different than every other conversation you have. You know, I think it's it's fine to say, are you okay um, to have this discussion? Should we, you know, do you want to delay it? Or um, is there any, you know, anything that, that's going on that I can help with. And a lot of these things I know tie back to relationship for me, which, which is important, but I do think that's a, a key part of it, is not being afraid. And of course, with a good balance of professionalism, we're not gonna dive down into people's personal lives, but um, but I, I think it's okay to be willing to ex- know people and learn people on the personal side, um, especially on those really good things uh, of their their family and the things they enjoy in life.
1: Thank you. Number 16 in your article, be prepared to define change management. More than once,
0: over and over again. <laughs> so, yeah, I think you know. Sometimes um, I've worked with really savvy clients. A few of them who have their own background in change management, and you can and you can kind of plan things together and explore things together. But not every client brings in a change management consultant, clearly understanding what that means. And sometimes you have to sit down and as you're building out your, it's
1: communications, right?
0: Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you're gonna push out some. We're doing training, right? You're the training. Oh, person.
1: that I forgot. Communications and training, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so helping them understand that full picture of here's what change management is, and what part of that scope do you want? <laughs> you know, what is it that you really want me to come in here and do? Um, and you can you can sell that point and get alignment, and then when the work starts and you're thrown out there with the team, it's like. So what are you here to do? You're the comms person, right? <laughs> and, and training. And training. See, you have to have that conversation again. And it may have to be done with leaders and across the organization and with vendor partners. You know, I, Especially if you're going to work with, I've worked with some system implementation vendors. And, and it's like, why do you need information on what we're doing around testing or around new features and functionality? And what's your role? Um, and so you should be prepared to um, have that conversation, and also you should have a very clear point of view. So when you're having that conversation repeatedly, you're saying the same thing. So you know, make sure you're you're giving the same message every time. But you you should have a very clear point of view on what change management means for you, or what your focus area is, um, and be prepared to have that that discussion multiple times. <laughs> uh-
1: Here's another fun one from your 20 lessons over 20 years. Have some fun.
0: Just have some fun. Yeah. I worked with, um, you know, I think one of the examples I added in there was around a, an organization I worked with that was an all female sales team, um, which was great. And they they are inherently fun. It's kind of baked into their work. Um, but our team, um, two of us were invited to their sales team training in Florida, uh, which you don't really pass on that. Sure, we'll come along. <laughs> so, and it, and it was really just to sit in the back of the room and listen and learn. We didn't have to present. We didn't have to facilitate. It was just come learn our business and the way we we sell and, and meet our team. Um, but when they say, come, come out to dinner with us, this is our big dinner night and our, our big party night. And um, I Brian, I'm an introvert, so definitely part of me was like, I don't really think <laughs> I need to hang out with the uh, you know 60 60 women tonight in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but my co- colleague I was with is an extrovert, so we all, um, and we spent the night, you know, driving around. We get dinner on these these big party buses, and with all of these women, and um, I still you know have chats with them. Every now and then, i get a message now, just how are things? How are you doing? And that was, I don't know, eight, nine years ago. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, be willing to have some fun. I mean, it ties into that personal piece a little bit that you're willing to. You're just not a stuffy sheriff that's just coming in to get the work done and then we'll head out. But um, willing to spend some time with the team and enjoy some of the things they enjoy. Yeah.
1: So maybe the, the flip side of having fun, uh, number 18 on, on your list stay above the fray.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, um. one of the things I've been really lucky about is I've worked in, as an external consultant in organizations that were a bit more co- um, casual, but had great cultures, um, very team oriented, great partnerships, just great people to work with. You're not always going to find that, you know, sometimes some of the organizations you might work with as a consultant are not as team-oriented, much more political, um, more challenging cultures, and you have to stay above that. So, you know, one of the things I shared with my team once was we are not an extension of our client's team or, or their culture. With extension of their team, we're not an extension of their culture. And so we are here to, to, do our work, but we are not getting caught up in in the politics. We're not we're not criticizing other employees, other team members, other partners and vendors. Um, we're not getting caught up in the frustration of the work and the project and kind of hating the way things are done and, and complaining about that. And certainly there were a couple of projects where I could feel that kind of seeping into our team. People would get very anxious. They would complain about the the work within our own company. And that's when we started having those conversations of like, look guys, no, we're not, number one, our team knows what's going on, right? We have context. When we started talking about it more broadly, People don't have context to really understand the challenges we're dealing with. But also let's keep in mind that we are a tight team. What is the type of culture we have? We bring our culture to this client. We don't, we don't take their culture away and bring it home. <laughs> so, um, so it is important to stay above the fray, stay focused on the work that you're doing and, and make sure that you are not letting negative aspects of the work kind of infiltrate your team and your own culture.
1: I really like that we're an extension of the team we are not extension an extension of the culture
0: mm-hmm.
1: roll up your sleeves when needed
0: yeah a yeah. lot
1: of a lot of change management consultants i i think would push back on that and say we're not just a pair of another pair of hands
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah um I, I could see that, you know. I, I laugh about that because I make reference in one of my other points to um, Peter Block's Flawless Consulting, and uh, you know, one of the lessons I learned from that book is understanding what your role is. And one of them is, are you there to be a pair of hands or <laughs> your strategic partner? Um, it is clear to understand that, but there are times when the client, you know, one of the examples I have is we were helping a client prepare for a very large training. And our role was to work as instructional designers, building the contents, um, managing the, the prep, the communication, who needs to be in this training. But the day before, there are 300 binders that need to be filled with content, with papers. And so we could say, well, we gave you some great content and here are all your pages and good luck with this. We'll see you in the morning. You know, good luck with this. But, um, but no, we, we stayed with them. We went to the conference center and set up a big table and turned on, you know, our client turned on 80s music and we spent hours filling binders on our big you know, production assembly line. And it's, I think it's one of those things of, you know, letting the client know we're here for your success. And do we have a bullet in our, in our statement of work that says, fill your binders with all the papers that we, the content that we develop and the papers you print out? No. But are we going to be willing to spend, you know, three extra hours for a few of us to do that? Absolutely. And I think it's those little things that, that add up to continued relationships and continued work with the client.
1: One last question, Danielle, your article covers 20 lessons learned over 20 years. Yeah. Is there a lesson 21?
0: (laughs) I feel like you and I talked about this (laughs) once before. And, um, and yeah, I had 21 lessons and then I chopped the last one off. But the one that I, that I took off was remember you're the expert and I think that one's important when you are, you know, we talked about resistance coming as coming in as outsider, but it's important when you're sitting at that table and you're trying to get your arms wrapped around who these people are, what the project is, and and what the organization needs. To remember that you were brought in for a reason, so you are filling a gap in their knowledge and their capability and their skill and their capacity that they don't have, and to stay comfortable in that when you're in the room and use your voice. It may take some time for you to get a feel for how they communicate in the culture and, and how you can kind of position your thoughts. But just keep in mind that you are there for a reason. You are the experts um, and to make sure you're bringing the value that you were you were hired for.
1: The um, sort of message exchange I have with with clients at the outset is, You are the expert in your organization. You know a lot more than I do about where you want this change to take you. I'm the expert in how to get there.
0: I love that. And
1: so as partners, we can make this happen. Mm -hmm. Daniel, thank you so much. And for our listeners, look for Danielle's article 20 over 20 on the change management review website.
0: So it's fun. Thank you. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this from the field episode of the change management review podcast with Brian Gorman, managing editor of the change management review and Danielle Harris-Thompson. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and like us on LinkedIn.